This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Win a face off in the Nashville zone. Quinn Hughes shoots for the line. They score. Tipped in front by Niels Hoaglander. And moments after the Predators get on the board, Hoaglander reestablishes the two-goal lead. It's 3-1. Patterson's got it in the slot. Nashville zone. Drop pass to McKay. One-timer. It got behind it. It rolls in. As Soros was sprawling in the crease trying to hold it out, it trickled across the goal line. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. And the Canucks go to 0 for 3 on the power play as Bluger drives it on the right wing. He scores. Teddy Bluger off the rush. Fires it up high as the power play was expiring or had just expired. Pass UC Soros and the third line continues to roll. It's 5-1 Vancouver. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks victorious yet again. Seven game point streak, 6-0-1. Win 5-2 in Nashville against the Predators. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We are going to welcome in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. You can also hit us up on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650, after yet another Canucks victory. And they took it to the hottest team in the National Hockey League. And at no point in this game outside of when it was 0-0, and perhaps perhaps for a fleeting moment when the National Predators made it 2-1. Were they ever really in the game? The Canucks completely snuffing out their opponent and being completely dominant, I would say, in their overall team game. And this is the type of road performance, pick that you talk about. And I'm not saying this is the standard on the road, but you can't get much better than how the Canucks were tonight, considering they're on the road against the hottest team in the league that it was 13-3 and heading into this one, and had won seven of their last eight games. Yeah, we don't consult each other on what we're about to say, but I was about to say that felt like a perfect road win. <laughs> it, it, it really was, right? Go in, handle your business, take the crowd out of it, and snuff out all the opportunities. Like, you know, we, we pride ourselves, you and I, on the meticulous notes we take throughout a game. I'll be honest, I'll, I'll, I'll pull the curtain back for the listeners tonight. I don't have a lot of notes tonight because there weren't a lot of breakdowns for the Canucks. Just, just, just essentially goal notes and some chances. And, yeah. It, I mean, it, it was, was clean. The only breakdown, that tr- true breakdown that happened was the breakaway for Tomasino at the end of the first period. Yeah, and, and even that one can be understood because there, like, there's a big distraction on the play. Joshua going after Lozon after yeah. he hit uh, Garland. And it, it caused a whole bunch of chaos, and Tomasino is the benefit of, the, of it all. And there's Casey DeSmith to turn it away. But by and large, it, it was hard-pressed to see something that was not clean today. It was, it was Honestly, it probably comes down to the too-many-men penalty. That's really about it. Yeah, uh, the breakaway and the too-many-men too penalty. Randy, do you have any other criticisms outside of those two for the Canucks tonight? No, I got no criticisms. The, uh, the Canucks put up yeah. five for the five boys. That's what we're going with. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> that was well played. I like it. I like it. But, you know, this is how they played this game here tonight. And, you know, the coach spoke so much about they need to be better with their starts. And he said, you know, he's got to do something better. They have to get more out of these guys. And I think it was uh, pretty much mission accomplished with how they started the first 20. Yeah, and it was pretty low event opening five, ten minutes for both teams, but once the Canucks got their opportunities, you know, they were opportunistic, and that's exactly what that PD goal was going back at, you know, Hugh Suter making a great play in the defensive zone, and boom, nice touch pass by Ilya Mikheyev, and PD does the rest with that finish, and after that, the the immediate response by Lafferty and Phil Giuseppe on, you know, being aggressive, winning battles to lead to that Oman goal, that was kind of the, the story of the night, where not giving up much defensively, but the battle level was 
really high for this team, and that's what you want. I don't know what it is about Nashville. The last time, remember, they lost to Philadelphia. They rolled into Nashville. They took care of business. And here, they continue what they started in Minnesota. wasn't a complete game. Chicago wasn't a complete game. But Nashville, it seems like this team and this uh, arena just draws the best out of the Vancouver Canucks where, guys, they were dangerous, and it all started from good defense, right, especially those first two goals. It certainly brings the best out of Elias Pettersson. We talked about uh, him uh, in the first intermission. He loves going up against Nashville, uh, third most goals per game against uh, the Preds versus any other team uh, in the league. So it, it's fantastic. And, and that goal, uh, you know, it, it felt like it was a confident PD back. No doubt. And I think a part of this is, you know, just suitors play on that line. It feels like in the last two games, but especially this one where. Elias Pettersson does not feel like he has to do everything when he's on the ice, when he's playing next to a few suitor. It, mm-hmm. it just feels like, you know, you're so comfortable with suitor to maybe hang back and make that defensive play, win that board battle. Uh, a couple of good sticks today. You know, we talk about that goal that him and McKay have combined, uh, the one nothing goal. But even later on in this game, it was a great stick by suitor that ends up, you know, creating another two on one. And Nashville takes away the pass to Pedersen. Mikheyev tries to go solo on his own, can't score. But where did that start from? That started from Pew Suter making that play. So I think when you've got a winger that is able to look after the defensive side of things a little bit more, make the job easier for Pedersen where it doesn't feel like he has to score and do everything on the ice, you just have a much more dynamic Elias Pedersen. And that's what we saw where you didn't maybe have to give him too many opportunities, but when you got that shot, uh, he made you pay. And looking at that line, guys, um, shot attempts, it wasn't even close. When they were on the ice, the Canucks dominated. Uh, you know, you look at uh, high danger chances, you look at goals. Uh, this was a very strong effort. And if you're talking about, you know, Kuzmenko coming back into the lineup at, in that spot, uh, this was a great night for Pew Suter. So I don't expect that to happen against Dallas because uh, this was an excellent effort by that line. Absolutely. And, you know, in terms of individual players, you, you know, mentioned Pedersen and how good he was and how Suter fit in with him. But Quinn Hughes on the back end tonight, that was an absolute masterclass by Quinn. And I'd say that for the high standards he set, and very much the same thing we say about Elias Pedersen, that when they're not playing at their best or near their best, it's noticeable because we've seen what that peak looks like. And maybe we hadn't quite seen Quinn Hughes' peak the past few games, but boy, oh boy, was he the best player on the ice tonight. For sure. And, you know, you look at the point totals, the last three games, no points. He picks up a couple assists. But it's not only about that, guys, where, you know, the first assist is off a, a, a shot. Niels Hoaglander ends up making that tip. But even beyond that, just the, the change of pace when he's skating, where he's able to wheel away and get out of those danger areas. But right before that Teddy Bluger goal, first of all, the the ability of Quinn to just attack. And Roman Yossi has to make it a, a decision. He has to decide whether he stays with Quinn or he lets Bluger really, you know, go in with speed. And there's a danger there, which ends up being a goal. But the reason that, you know, any other defenseman in the Canucks lineup, you're probably, you're, you're probably not respecting him very much. You're saying, all right, come forward. We're not gonna, we're not gonna worry about that. With Quinn Hughes, you have to. And that's why Yossi is a little bit more to the middle, opens up that side to Bluger. But even earlier on in that play, remember the Canucks were on, um, on the power play and Colton Sissons is actually pressuring Quinn Hughes. And Hughes just wheels away, makes a defensive play. He, he's in a position to wheel away and then to go in straight into attack mode that leads to that goal. So that really, that play to me, that sequence really speaks to how special Quinn Hughes is where he's got to play defense and then automatically that turns into offense and a goal by Teddy Bluger. 
also uh, throughout this game, uh, I know you referenced it too. In the, the moments that they were challenged, um, not just physically, like the goal goes in and the Canucks quickly respond. It's it's something that we've been kind of noticing here that the, the Canucks have a quick responses uh, throughout the course of the season. No doubt, and you know I think there's two moments where. First of all, that one nothing goal that you score, you know, how many times over the last number of years have we said, so we said, hey, the Canucks get on the board, but the, the shift right after is a weak one where you sit back, not tonight, not this season for the most part. So A, you know, first of all, check mark there because you're able to build on your lead. Getting the quick start is one thing, but what can you do with it? And then when that Niels Hoaglander 3-1 goal goes in, uh, winning that faceoff, JT Miller, who's done pretty good at that this year, over 54% now, uh, just Hoaglander. And, and this is where, you know, making an impact with whatever ice time you're given. And later on in the game, he gets a little bit more uh, as this game goes on, as it's out of reach for the Nashville Predators. But if, you know, heading into the third period, he was still around that eight, nine minute mark. He hadn't played that much. But the point is, when you're called upon, can you make the play in that given time that your team needs? And I, I love that response, not only by you know JT Miller to win that faceoff, he gets a Taronic, and Quinn Hughes takes that shot, but their foot was on the gas pedal. They could see that at 2 nothing, you know, the arena, you could see the, the fans were not all that excited. You could see that you know Nashville was getting a little frustrated. So rather than you know that goal against turning against Vancouver, they're like, no, no, no. We know what we need to do here. This team has not been winning battles against us, and they come back and make an immediate impact on, you know, less than, what, 30 seconds later with that Niels Hoaglander goal. So pushing all the right buttons. And, guys, I think the most impressive thing tonight was the battle level throughout the 60-minute game where, sure, maybe the final 11 seconds, Rick Tockett might not like that, where his team kind of shuts off there, allows the second goal. But outside of that, guys, this was a, a very professional effort by this team. And once again, Connor Garland, uh, I would hate to play against this guy right now the way that he's being a nuisance on the ice. He's engaged in a lot of battles, uh, you know, even playing against a, a Parsonin who was six foot three, 212 pounds, and, and engaging in a battle, winging the puck off of him. He did that numerous times. So it just feels like from line one to four, tonight they were going, they were, they were winning every puck battle possible. Yeah, I mean, and I think the way they they were able to contest plays is, was really impressive to me, and that's kind of been a, a hallmark of their best games. And we remember the, the first couple of games against Edmonton, especially the first game when they weren't giving Edmonton anything, especially through the neutral zone. And when they're for, when they're playing teams tough like that through the neutral zone even and contesting plays all over the ice it's just really hard to play against and this Canucks team obviously isn't the biggest team isn't the fastest team they have some absolute mammoths however on the back end that are hard to get through but forward wise they're kind of average with speed average with size but it doesn't matter if you are average in speed and size if you're contesting plays the way the Canucks are and that is hard to play against and guys, an active stick, right? Like yeah. Suter is so understated in that way where he's not going to flash, you know, just flair and, and great, you know, skill, but those subtle plays through the neutral zone and on the forecheck where maybe you're not taking the body necessarily, but you get a stick on the puck. Uh, I thought Sam Lafferty, his game has brought that as well. And Ilya Mikheyev, um, he's been one of the players that we haven't talked about much here uh, as far as that line is concerned, but I thought his legs were really going today. You know, he was creating chances, but that trio just being really active with their stick. And all you got to do is, if you're not taking the body, are you making a play on the puck? Are you in a position to really cut down the speed of the opposition trying to go through the neutral zone? And it starts in the forecheck, but to your point, it doesn't stop there. You know, if you're able to, to make that play in the neutral zone, you're just as successful. And guys, three times this year they've played Nashville, 
And the Nashville Predators' top line of Philip Forsberg and Ryan O'Reilly have done nothing against them. And that's a credit to the team as a as a group, but also you know the major matchup role is has been you know JT Miller in that regard. But this is a some of the most dangerous players, especially when it comes to Philip Forsberg in the league. We're talking about even strength. He's up there, top five in goal scoring. Uh, he's a, a one of the dominant fa- uh, power forwards in the game. One of Bix's favorite players. I know that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but against against the Canucks. Not a single anything this season, and that's a credit to the defense they've been able to pull off, not only tonight, but the other two games that they played as well. I feel like we talk about Casey DeSmith uh, every time he plays because that's what he's doing. Like His play merits him getting brought up, and... It just like again and again and again. Yeah, I mean the only the only uh, the the first goal, the Lozon goal, uh, that's the one where he's kind of cheating, waiting sure. for the cross. But but I mean you can understand why he's doing so because he, they've seen they've been exposed on that crossing pass a couple times in recent games, starting against Minnesota. You can see him kind of think about that. But that's maybe the only misstep he had. But six two and two, right? Like I, I understand it's not always going to be perfect for the backup. My biggest thing is, do you get the points? Yeah, and he did it again. Yeah, and there's a couple of key moments. The, the goal is a fair one. Batch and I were talking about that off air as well, where it's probably when he wants back. But guys, a save on Novak in transition when all three Fords committed on the Ford check, it leads to a transition chance. No problem there for him. Tomasino ends up going, you know, on a breakaway. Uh, after that hit on Connor Garland, makes the save there. There's another save on Gustav Nyquist after Noah Juleson got caught uh, on the just you know flat-footed in the neutral zone, and DeSmith made the save there. So, what do you want from a, a backup? You want him to play solid. Uh, 923 save percentage is going to go up actually after to this this game because it was 929 in this game. So you know this is this is exactly what the Canucks want. Where down low it feels like nothing's going to pass Casey DeSmith. If there's a battle in front of the net, he's so good at protecting the lower half of the net that I feel like they're extremely comfortable with, even if a rebound does pop out, which it doesn't, Casey DeSmith has that on lock. Yeah, he certainly does. And it's been impressive to watch him be as steady as he has been between the pipes. And as far as Nikita Zadorov and Tyler Myers go, I mean, it's pretty incredible. For guys that are as big as they are and as physical as Zadorov can be, they can also be very unnoticeable. And I think that's a big compliment. It is, and you know, I think last game they had that plus three game, and both of them, you know, the stats look good, even though Zadorov didn't even play very much because of the the misconduct. Uh, but overall, what I like about their game is, you know, it's kind of as advertised with Zadorov, especially where he's blocking shots, he's throwing hits, at least a, a big hit a game, and twenty minutes and eleven seconds for him. Tyler Myers got a little bit less at nineteen oh two, but what I like about their defensive zone coverage, guys, is that their reach is so long that they're just constantly you know, making contact with the puck without taking penalties, that they're able to really engage in corner battles and not allow anything to the center of the ice, which is the key, right? When we talk about Vegas playing a certain style and their big defensemen were A, first of all, getting into that real estate in front of the net is so hard when the bodies are big and, and you're able to control that area. And the second thing is, even if you do get into that area, uh, shot blocking is so vital and Zadorov's done that uh, even in a short time here in Vancouver. So I like the fact that they're just keeping teams at a distance. And, you know, for Tyler Myers, who's a, a guy that's been talked a lot about in this market, you start looking at what he's been able to do this season. You know, his plus minus is, is strong, but his pairing with Nikita Zadorov, I, I just, I like the way that they're playing. And to me, this is a, a pairing that's made for the playoffs. You're keeping everything to the outside. And as team defense is concerned, 
I like that mix between these two guys that they seem to get the best out of each other. It's low event, and it's very, very, you know, we'll, we'll give you the perimeter, but you're not getting anything down low. No, absolutely. And and that's one of the things that they really focus in on, not giving anything in front of the net. They've done a great job of protecting their house and also crashing the other team's house. And that's how they've been successful so far this year. Randy, great stuff as always, man. Appreciate your time. We look forward to chatting with you again on Thursday when the Canucks visit Dallas Stars. All we're doing is killing time between Canucks games right now. Exactly. Uh, if you guys ever need me to kill time with you, don't worry. I'm, I'm here. That's what I'm doing until Thursday, too, boys. Cheers. Hey, actually, really quickly, what was with all the Ric Flair references? Woo! Oh, we just we were having fun. You know, you know oh, okay. how Nashville was not really into the game with final 10 minutes. We were into it. I had to bring the Ric Flair references. So, uh, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And if the Nashville Predators were the hottest team in the NHL, if you beat them, does that make you the, the hottest team in the NHL? I think it does. Well, yeah, well, I mean, sometimes uh, it, that doesn't always add up, but it does add up right now. And go get that Rick Dare, Rick Dare, Rick Flair drip going too. Thanks so much. Okay, right. there we go. All Cheers, right. boys. Have uh, a good one. That's Randy Janda. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty. You can also grab a phone line six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. We are going to get to the phone boards in just a moment, but before we do that, Bick, the text inbox is hopping. Six fifty six fifty. Uh, Sabres Rob wants to know, have they lost in regulation since Big Z showed up? Uh, he They're 7-1-1. Uh, the one loss coming to New Jersey, which had the last-minute goal in it as well. Uh, so that was the only regulation loss. Uh, this one, Ily McKay is my new uh, favorite player. He's unsung. That is Will in Kelowna. Uh, this one, how many battles tonight? Boys played hard. Canucks versus Vegas showdown is coming as well. Yeah, I mean, right now, so in the standings, with the Canucks winning this hockey game, they are currently one point back of the Vegas Golden Knights with the same amount of games played. So, pretty good? Not bad. I think that's pretty good. Uh, Obviously, the LA Kings have played six fewer games in the Vancouver Canucks, and they're currently um, eight points back of Vancouver. I mean, they would have to win all of those uh, to significantly get above Vancouver. So the Canucks very much within reach of being in the top team in the division. And with how the season is going, uh, it's hard to bet against this team. Hot or not, doesn't matter. They're getting better, it seems like, in certain games. And we saw it tonight against the Nashville Predators. All right, we'll get to more of your thoughts on the text inbox. Let's take a couple phone calls as well before we do that. Let's go to Raj in Surrey. Raj, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Uh, hey, guys. Um, I just wanted to talk about Casey DeSmith. Yep. I think that um, they utilize them uh, less often. I think they need to give Dempo a little bit of a break and use them in more games so that down the stretch Dempo doesn't get uh, injury problems. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Nikita Zadorov. Since he's come, uh, they've won seven games and uh, only lost two, one of them in overtime. I think that he takes a big burden off of the back end. And people like Quinn Hughes and uh, Hironik, they don't have to play as much and they don't get as tired because when they were playing earlier in the season, uh, their fatigue really set in and it caused us to lose a lot of games. And I think he's been a great addition to this team. Uh, that's about it, guys. Thank you. Hey, thanks for the phone call. Uh, I don't disagree that um, uh, Zadorov's been fantastic. We were just talking about him, too, and, and how well he's fit in. As far as Casey the Smith goes... Well, just really quickly tonight. Uh, this is his 10th start. Yeah, but uh, Hughes, 23 minutes tonight. 
Uh, and Philip Hronek, 22 minutes. Yeah. So limit the minutes a bit. Keep managing those minutes. And yeah, it's a great point. We, we knew it's, that they were never going to be able to survive playing that they were earlier in the season. Yeah. Like they were regularly playing 27, 28 minutes a night. Now, the best players can do that. Like Kale McCarr plays that. Drew Doughty in his prime, even recently, plays that. Thomas Shabbat has played that. A, lo- a lot of premier players can do it. But it's not something you subscribe for, you want to keep it around 24, 22 minutes a night. Yeah. And now you're able to do it because you have enough credible bodies. Well, as far as Casey the Smith goes, and you're right about the back end, and you're seeing it now, and that's why have, getting Zadorov, getting that addition to the back end, it really stabilized things. You really upgraded on having Mark Friedman there, and you see it in terms of deployment as well. On to Casey the Smith. It was his 10th start. He's on pace for 25 on the mm-hmm. year. Which would mean that's about 57 starts for uh, Thatcher Demko. Mm-hmm. Before the season, I think the number they wanted Demko to be at was probably anywhere from 55 to 58 or so. Mm-hmm. Could you maybe give DeSmith 30 starts by the end of the season? So you get to 52-30? Ideally, 55 is the number. Yeah. If you can get it to 52, that's even better. Well, I mean, you keep winning. Then yeah. maybe you're going to have the luxury to do that. But to Roger's point... Do you want to like the the faster you confirm you're in the playoffs, mm-hmm. the more rest you can give Thatcher Demko. Yeah. So do you want to put the strain on it now? Or not, it's not even really strain, but do you want to give him more starts in this part of the season and protect him later on so he's fresher come March and April into April, maybe May, or do you want to start getting that rest in now and saying, hey, we're going to backload some starts at the end near the end of the season? Well, they're going to need to rely on him. As soon as the Canucks come back from the break, when they head mm-hmm. out on that seven-game road trip and they have back-to-backs and they have a lot of games in a short period of time, mm-hmm. that's going to be a challenging part of the schedule. What I'm looking at, and this is getting right way ahead of things, but do you get to a point where the Canucks have that eight-game homestand in March? Mm-hmm. And they don't play back-to-backs. It's a very stretched out. It's a very leisurely eight-game homestand. You don't really need to get Dennis Smith into too many in terms of practice, in terms of time. Can you be at a point at that stretch where you can look at it and say hey, we can give DeSmit three starts out of the eight. Yeah. And if you can do that, Especially, then you put yourself in a position to give Thatcher Demko fewer than 55 starts. Because you're talking about what? That would be game... Oh, it's off the top of my head. That's like game 70? Yeah, 70 or so. And somewhere around there, like, like uh, that's when that homestand starts. Yeah. So if you're at around, say, 86 points by that stage, and you're looking at it, it's like, man, we've only really, like... 10 more points to confirm that we're going to the playoffs, less than that. Yeah. And we have 12 games to go. Can we get Casey DeSmith, who's playing well? Like four of those starts? Four of those starts the rest of the way, right? And that's how you start breaking up yeah. the the starts. I can't see them doing it too much now, but as the season goes on, maybe they start mm-hmm. taking some more starts away from Demko. But the point being, Casey DeSmith has been fantastic. Sabres Rob asks, is there any way they can keep Casey DeSmith? Here's where it becomes, and this is an issue, maybe you could call it a good problem to have because the Canucks are having all these players on expiring contracts, having prolific seasons. I mean, Teddy Bluger got another goal tonight. He's got four now. He had four all of last year with the um, Pittsburgh Penguins and the Vegas Vegas Golden Knights. Four already, so I mean, he might be riding his price up. We spoke about Sam Lafferty and how he's played. He might be adding his price up. Dakota Joshua's been going. His his price is going up. And the way we see goaltending uh, uh, flounder across the National Hockey League and how Casey DeSmith is playing, I mean, these guys may price themselves out. I mean, I'm all for keeping these guys. But the way they're playing on expiring contracts, it might be hard. 
And and I think what what this team should probably do, as good as Casey Smith's been, and this is a question for next season again, probably lean on the fact that you're able to find good goaltending, that you have Ian Clark, you have Artur Silovs in the minors. So I wouldn't overextend, but I don't I didn't think we'd be sitting here 33 games into the season, realistically entertaining what it would look like to keep Casey to Smith, and that's a testament to how well he's played. Yeah, no, it really is. It's not really even on my to do list in general of oh, you know, like what does a Casey DeSmith resigning even look like? It's you know, his play is not moving up my the, the priority list, uh, but it certainly puts it on the priority list. It, it, yeah, it's, it's it's you know what? It's enter- you can entertain the question. I still think the most logical scenario is to transition to hundred laws. Hey, listen, you got to save money somewhere, right? Yeah. But it's more about, even if you wanted to, it might be hard to do so. Now, somebody texted in, too, uh, and I can't find... Uh, this one here is Alex from the Whack. Could the DeSmith trade potentially have been one of the best moves Alvin has made? Because you get to arrest Demko. Yeah. You have stability between the pipes. And the Canucks it, it, gave up a third round. It's more round. understated. It's more, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's fair. I don't think it's the best trade, but I think it's a good trade. And considering that it was quote-unquote a salary dump where the Canucks dumped Tanner Pearson's contract and gave up a third-round pick. That's Honestly, that's a salary dump and a third-round pick well spent right now with mm-hmm. how Casey DeSmith has played because you really can't put a price on having a goaltender, your starter, get rest in between and, and, mm-hmm. and be able to uh, rely on your backup goaltender. So good point from Alex that it's an underrated move made by the Canucks. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of other ones. Um, Sam Lafferty would be in the conversation. Um... You know, Philip Ronick won. Just another credible body. The Zadorov won. Uh, but yeah, you, you might be able to say just because it has such a direct impact on so much more uh, than than just uh, you know what one player can do. It, it's it's in the conversation. It's in the conversation. Yeah, it's in the conversation. Uh, all right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 656. We'll hit more of your questions, more of your comments, and we'll take more of your phone calls. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Plus, we are going to get to the thoughts of the head coach, Rick Tockett, after a 4-1 Canucks victory over the Preds right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Cole Smith, top of the circle, throw on the brakes, try to sweeping feet into the slot, but the Canucks break it up. Here's Pedersen the other way, down the right wing. He shoots and scores. Elias Pedersen in quick transition off the rush, wires a wrist shot past UC Saros, and the Canucks take a 1 0 lead late in the first period. And what speed down the right hand side by Elias Pedersen. But an excellent touch pass by Ilya Mikheyev right in the neutral zone that hits Elias Pettersson in stride. And he's coming downhill. And UC Saros is a heck of a goaltender, but Tyson Berry can't keep up with Elias Pettersson. And Pettersson beats Saros, stick side. Quick play by the Vancouver Canucks. Credit to Pettersson and Mikheyev who make it 1-0. That is your play of the game, brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley, Elias Patterson, opening the scoring for the Canucks. And like Randeep mentioned, a lot of players helping out in that sequence. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Canucks win 5 2. Like Jay mentioned, 5 2, not 4 1. A two minute minor for a wrong score. 
So uh, I'm going to go into penalty box. Bix can handle the next two minutes. Getting the post game score wrong is like your Kuzmenko. Oh, where it's man. like you don't always need to pull up at the half wall to a spin, man. You can just dump that puck in sometimes. I know, I know. And not only are you bald like Rick Talkin, you're sounding like <laughs> him as well. Uh, Vic Nazar dropping the, the, the talking knowledge on me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Sad, we have staples on this show <laughs> and getting the score right is really important. It is very important. And I may have to take a sit a game if I continue this uh, as poorly as I am. But that is your play of the game. Pedersen scores. But like we mentioned, a lot of good things. And you know a guy who's taking a lot of crap? And it, also, it, it was justified. He struggled earlier this season. Noah Juleson on the back end. Right? Like, mm-hmm. he was given the puck away. I thought you were going to say Elias Pettersson. Well, I mean, hey, Pettersson, too. I mean, hey, two of those, a few of those guys on the ice certainly been taking some criticism this yeah. season. And Pettersson finishes it off. But Noel Juleson stands his guy up on the blue line, makes a good play, and the next thing you know, the puck's going the other way. Yeah, puts pressure on Cole Smith, who does the Kuzmenko uh, at that half wall there. And Juleson's on it and forces a loose puck. And then Pew Suter is there, too, uh, who cleans it all up. And, you know, in tight spaces with another player coming there. He stick handles and just gets it up ice. It's yeah. given to Pedersen. And, you know, we, we've, we've had all these conversations of like, oh, Pedersen. I should say a lot of it mostly has been fan driven. Like we've, we've acknowledged that he needs to be better. Yeah. But as it stands right now, he gets two points tonight. Goal and assist. 41 points in 33 games. Mm-hmm. That's a hair below the pace. Like I'm talking a hair. Point zero four points per game less than last year's pace. So he's still on pace for 100 points. Yes. His shooting percentage, if I've done this correctly, should improve either to 15.3% or even stay at 15.2%, which is the exact same number as last year. Yeah. So he's doing exactly what he was doing last year. Production-wise. Production-wise. Yeah. And he can still get better. Almost to the number exactly the same. And he can still be play better overall. But here's the thing. For all the people that says, well, if he wants to get paid, he's got to play like an $11 million player. He played like an $11 million player last year. That's what, he's, that's what he did. 102 points plus 16. That's, that's what an $11 million player looks like. To consistently break 100 points. That's what this looks like. And here he is doing it again. Yeah. And just because he's going to get a raise, people think, oh, there's just, there has to be more. There's got to be 130 points every year. No, that's not how this works. No. It's almost like arm strength in the NFL. People are like, oh, you need to have the biggest arm. It's like, no, like once you pass a certain threshold, everything else is just bonus. Once you get to 100 points, everything else is just bonus. You've confirmed that you are a Stanley Cup caliber player. Everything past 100 points is just bonus. Yeah. And it just, it's just for his contract. Yeah, there's obviously benefits to getting more points during the regular season. But just prove to me that you're a Stanley Cup credible player. If Elias Pettersson hasn't done that for you already, then he's never going to do it for you. And, and that's a fair. I mean, and, and you know what? The point I was making yesterday on Kaduck Central, too, is like there are a lot of ups and downs in a season. And for as much as we talk about the pursuit of playing a complete game and you have to do this, get off to great starts, this could be ups and It's an 82 game season. Yes. You're not going to always have it. And same thing for individual players. It's more about how, where do you get to by the end of the finish line? And I think that's what it comes down to more than anything else. And right now you're stacking it up. It's not always perfect, but like the Canucks. They haven't been perfect recently, but Pedersen played a great game today. And the Canucks, like somebody texted in earlier and said the Canucks uh, had a complete 59 minutes and 40 seconds tonight. 
which I think is pretty accurate. Like outside of a few seconds here and there, they really didn't put a skate wrong tonight. And I think that's a big testament to them and also how Elias Pettersson played. And you mentioned Pew Suter makes a great play on that goal. Mm-hmm. Ilya Mikheyev, like Randy mentioned, you know, all hands on deck contributing. And that is your player of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo Tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in Langley. Now, Bick, before we get to some text messages, we, we ran through that goal and we'll talk about, you know, Quinn Hughes a bit more uh, in-depth um, as the show goes on here. But Elias Patterson scored the first goal of the game. Mikheyev and Suter get points. Niels Oman scored a goal. And somebody texted in earlier. And listen, the text inbox is just flying. And, and I'm sorry if I can't remember the name. But somebody texted in and said something about, for all the talk about the Canucks are getting lucky, what about the things they're doing to help themselves get sure. lucky? And that's something else that I've really been harping on recently. Yes, they're getting bounces, sure. But unless was, you put it, yourself in a position yeah. to get bounces, you're not going to get them. It, it, was, it was during the second intermission because we were talking about the Suter goal. And there was some good fortune there because it goes off Elias Pettersson, yeah. bounces perfectly for him, and he taps it to um, uh, Mikheyev, who yeah. gets that shot off. And even the Oman goal, it's you know Barry behind the net. It kind of bounces works off the net perfectly. But, but what's Neil's Oman doing? Yeah, and we talked about like, what's translatable to some of this luck and what's not translatable. Okay, like, in, are you always going to get a bounce going your way? No. But even go back to the Suter goal. You know, Suter and Mikheyev do tons of good work well before Horonic even shoots that puck towards the net. It's delaying decisions yeah. by the opposition. It's closing down the gap. It's forcing delayed decisions and turning back behind your own net and you know winning battles to, before any moment like this happens. Look, mistakes in the game are going to happen. It's a rubber puck on ice. It's, yeah. it's going to go wrong sometimes. It will, and those things will happen. And even on that play, so the way they got, get out, got out of their own zone, the way... Uh, De Giuseppe made a beeline to the blue mm-hmm. line to tip that puck across ice, and then and then uh, Oman um, and Lafferty just battle guys out, win the puck, get it deep, win another board battle. Oman so, I mean, again, again. Yeah. If you're not winning these battles, and if you're not getting to the front of the net, you're not going to get lucky. And if you're not in the right positions, then because he's he's yeah. manning the space, like he's going to track Barry as he goes skating towards the corner. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that play never happens because it bounces right in front of him where he's supposed to be. Exactly. And hey, just cre- again, you, you're getting some bounces going your way, no doubt, but give credit for creating and generating those bounces and the Canucks are. And Niels Hoaglander's goal. Um, Jeremy Lozon scored to make it 2-1 and then the Canucks quickly answered back, what, like 15 seconds later, Niels Hoaglander with his 10th goal of the season, Hughes and Hronick with the assist. And he, what he does he do? He gets body position and gets a stick on a puck and he tips it in. It's a simple point shot, but he gets body position. Again, you go to the net, you get body position, good things can happen. Pew Suter, how does he score a goal? Battles in front of the net to make it, uh, what is it, 4-1 for the Canucks at the time. What does he do? Gets to the net, battles, the Canucks get a bounce, Pedersen makes a great play on it, Mikheyev gets a shot on goal, Pew Suter and knocks the puck in. Teddy Bluger's goal. Quinn Hughes does incredible work. We'll talk about that a bit more, which leads to that goal from Teddy Bluger. So you look at those goals, you can say some lucky bounces, but a lot of it was them putting themselves in a position to be lucky, and I don't think you have to apologize for that. Certainly not. And you know they've, they've wanted to instill, finally, a commitment to you know, relentlessness. Yeah. This is the first time. It's been a, a word that's been used, and it gets, it's a word that gets used a lot. But this is the first time, I think, in the past six seasons, five seasons, that you honestly looked at this and says, and you can say, well, this is what 
relentless looks like. No, absolutely. All right, uh, let's take a couple phone calls here uh, before we take some text messages and get to head coach Rick Tockett, 604-280-0650. And we'll go to Aiden in Nanaimo. Aiden, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts tonight? Hey, boys, that was electric. Honestly, like, I'm so excited watching this team get better and better throughout the season, right? When they Mm -hmm. started uh, winning games at this beginning of the season i'm like okay like they start off hot right and this team's gonna go down and it's just not gonna it they're gonna start good and then end bad no it's not like this this season they start good and they're keep getting better like i'm excited like actually excited to watch this team in the playoffs and demko and d smith to be their goaltenders demko starters d smith is the backup they're both two solid goaltenders that can hold them in games where the Canucks defense or the offense isn't that great. The goaltenders can hold them in the, the whole game. Yeah. And it's just, I, I just love watching this team. Like I literally watched the last five minutes of it. I was at work, turned it on for the last five minutes and I saw the last five minutes to play. They were, they were skating hard. Yeah. I think uh, Nashville might've scored like with like five minutes left or I don't actually remember but it was an overall really good game. I'm so ecstatic. I'm so happy. And uh, I don't know. It's just I like how JT Miller, Quinn Hughes, and Elise Pedersen are just doing the damage, too. I love it. Yeah. Hey, Aiden, uh, thanks for the phone call. And Aiden, you're not the only one who forgot the goal. Sat forgot it, too. Yeah, listen, I forgot the goals, too. <laughs> 5-2, Canucks. I got it right this time. But, you know, on, on Hoaglander, we mentioned the goal quickly mm-hmm. that he scored. But I thought the JT Miller line, we, we talked about how it's been elusive from them recently to have a real strong 5-on-5 game. I thought they were terrific tonight, too. If you're going to be the matchup line, you better be the matchup line. Yeah. And at least tonight, they were strong in that regard. And then, you know, the thing we talked about in the past couple of years when people were complaining at us and saying, you know, we, we oftentimes would say the, the Horvat line wasn't really a good matchup line. Because to win your matchup line is not to just play to a stalemate. You actually have to go win the matchup. And so tonight, yeah. Hoaglander goal provides the goal, right? So that's mm-hmm. not only you know, defeating your opponent, it's also having success yourself. Yes. And Hoaglander continues the stretch where he's just, he's replaced Kuzmenko. He has. I mean, he has. I mean, the way Brock Besser has been going. Uh, Besser, however, is now trailing Austin Matthews by two goals mm-hmm. in the Walker Richard race. Matthews up to 25 after scoring a couple today. But uh, outside of that, I mean, Besser has been fantastic. All right, we are going to get to more text messages uh, and more of your phone calls coming up in a second. Uh, this one says uh, Myers deserves a medal for that defensive play on the breakaway. He did make a great play defensively. That's a good point. We, we mentioned some of the chances the Canucks gave up. Not many, but there was a breakaway opportunity, and Tyler Myers defended that perfectly without taking a penalty. So uh, some credit there for t- to Tyler Myers. All right, before we get to uh, more of your thoughts, it's time to hear what the head coach had to say after the game tonight. Here is Rick Tockett after a 5-2 win in Nashville over the Preds. Coach, you guys seem to have an answer for everything they threw at you. What did you like about the way your group played? I thought from the first period, I thought we were really connected. Um, I liked our breakouts. Um, you know, I thought each line did something. Um, you know, fourth line, big goal. Obviously, Teddy's goal. Like, you know, Pete, like we, we, we had some good, some good plays from different lines. I liked our D. I, I mean, I just liked the overall game. That's you know, that team's thirteen and three. That's a hot team, and I thought, for the most part, we were we were really good tonight. You mentioned a couple of sleepy starts in the weekend. You, you thought you guys played with a purpose from opening puck drop tonight. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, we talked about that, um, and you know, you don't really have to say too much. I mean, I heard before I, 
you know, sometimes we'll go grab a coffee and I heard some guys talking about make sure about our starts. I mean, that makes that coffee go down a little easier when you when you have your players saying that, right? So, no, they, they uh, you know, leadership group was great. And obviously, Casey was solid, you know, getting him in there and uh, another win for Casey. So, yeah, it was just, you know, one of those good games for us. I asked Petey about the chemistry, the quick chemistry with Pew Suter on that line, and he said, you know, he's traditionally a centerman, so that helps in terms of him knowing where Petey's going to be and things like that. Is that what you were hoping to get out of that line and that change? Yeah, I think just there's some hockey IQ with, uh, with suits there. Um, and you're right, and it's a little bit, I, I don't mind the hybrid. Like, you know, sometimes suits will go down low for Petey. It doesn't always have to be Petey. So uh, he made a hell of a play behind the net right to, 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 to uh, Petey, too. Like, he knows where he is. So, yeah, they're getting some instant chemistry right now. This team is a perfect 19 wins when they have the lead heading into the final frame. Do you take pride in the way that the group is resilient and keeps the foot on the gas to finish the job there? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really, I really proud of the guys that are defensive. Just, I, I was watching, you know, sometimes we'll, you know, we get out of position, but not very often. Like you can watch and guys are, I just like the way they play defense. You know, they're, they're protecting the middle. If we've got to give a shot, we give the outside shot. Um, so I think that's really what I really like about this team is that they really, whether they enjoy it or they buy into it, they just love the way we defend the puck. And against this team here, I mean, they they, they, they can they have a lot of offense they can go, and I think we defended them really well tonight. Was our moment at the end of the first there when everybody kind of stopped playing except for Tomasino and your goaltender? Yeah, yeah, you got to play to the whistle. I mean, that's a learn. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. you got you got to play to the whistle. So thank God Casey made a hell of a save. What do you say about having a reliable backup like that? Because sometimes goalie plans are the best ones go to waste when you need a win, but not only is he getting in there, he's delivering. I mean, it's obviously a great Patrick made an unreal trade getting him. Um, but you know, obviously, he stops the puck. He's a great, but I, I, his—he's one of the most well-liked guys in the room. He's uh, got a—I mean, he didn't start for two weeks. He's got a smile on his face. He's taking shots after practice. I mean, I mean that boosts the morale. And uh, Casey Smith is uh, is one of those guys, high character guy. Those old liner scored off uh, deflection. Yeah. Seems like that's been a trend in terms of how he scored goals this season. He also mentioned that compared to last season, he's spending less time in the corners and trying to be in those areas more. Have you noticed a big change in that this season? Yeah, we, we, we try to play a level offense with levels, and I think Hoggy's really taken it uh, this year. You know, if you watch him, very rarely just sits in the corner. He'll he'll scoot to an area, and uh, he's tough to defend that little guy. You know, when he gets he gets to those levels, you know, he gets underneath sticks and weather deflections. Even he gets underneath, uh, he's, he's had a couple of rebound goals where he's beat somebody to the net. So, I mean, those are the goals that uh, he can really get for us. Yep, definitely. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 win over the Nashville Predators. And you are listening to, to the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange. And the coach spoke very highly about how they played defensively uh, tonight. You know the coach uh, is a big fan of, of proper, clean hockey. And for the most part, that's what the Canucks provided this evening. Go back to like December of last year. Would you ever imagine a coach saying, I like the way they play defense? <laughs> yeah, you don't know. I mean... Honestly, you know what? Go back to the Seattle game, talk its second game. Would you ever think less than 82 games later, he would have said, I like the way that this team plays defense? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's been night and day. I mean, we, I, I, I've, I've thought about this so many times saying you know, people in this market, most fans now understand why details matter. Mm-hmm. Most fans now understand why it matters to play well on your own end and, and what you have to do. And you see the difference. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely night and day. We focus so much on the offense and the scoring and how sustainable is this? What about how they're defending? Mm-hmm. 
because how they're defending is completely different than what they did last year. And a lot of it obviously is how they defend in their own zone, but how much of it is the way they, they defend through the neutral zone, how they contest plays all, all over the ice, right? And when they're at their best, they're a really tough team to play against and break down. But he mentioned what a great trade uh, by the head coach, by Patrick Alvin to go out and get Casey the Smith. And goaltending is a big part of that too. But the way that they're defending as a team and how that defense now looks... Last year, the Canucks defense, before the Verona trade, it was Quinn Hughes and a bunch of guys. And it was one of the worst blue lines in the league, right? It's like NSYNC. He, like, he, knew, he knew Justin Timberlake was going to be a star, but like, who are the other four guys? It's a great reference. Fantastic reference. But now, the Canucks don't have a top five or eight defense, but it's, now it's like top half of the league mm-hmm. all of a sudden. You have a Heronic, you go through Zadorov, Myers looks a lot better, Ian Cole's been great defensively. Susie's injured, he's going to come back, and, and with that, they're kind of a top half of the league defense. But even with the way Noah Jules has played recently, like he's, he's done a tremendous job, you know, not breaking, bending here and there, but you're not seeing the same mistakes. He's in the right position. He's carving out a role for himself on the PK. Like, all these guys are contributing. Yeah, they really are. And it, it, again, it's it's all five guys too, or all, all, all five guys on the ice too, yeah. right? It, it's the five. I mean, look at the centers and the way they come back. And here's the thing: it's you know, defense has always been about you know effort, commitment, and suddenly when you get buy-in and you're not in the tail end of seasons when the season's already lost, and you know it's something Gannick has brought up to us on our respective shows so often that at the end of seasons, guys start playing for themselves. Yeah. Well, so far through 33 games. You're not really seeing people play for themselves. But also, but he, but here's the incredible part about all this. When you play for the team and everyone has success... You I find mean, your offense anyways. Exactly. It comes, yeah. right? And this is something that we didn't see from the Canucks in the past. And you'd see it from teams like, for instance, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. I, mean, I remember watching Colorado um, at times, and even Kale McCarr. You'd see him at, at the end of a shift, and he essentially has one guy on him. And maybe if he wanted to, he could take a guy on. But he's like, you know what? No. Chips it in, goes off for a change, mm-hmm. allows guys to change. You know what I mean? They stay true and disciplined to what good, clean hockey is and what their identity as a team is. And they know that, hey, maybe I'm not going to get it this shift, but if we keep doing these things and if we all have good shifts and we're passing it off to the next guy, instead of half our shifts being making up ground that the other guy lost, now we're getting clean efforts. We're getting clean chances. And if you do that, next thing you know, you're getting more opportunities than you did when you're trying to chase the game anyways. And it takes confidence. It takes a lot of things coming together. It takes good fortune, of course. But there's clearly chemistry as well and total belief. And I think that's really showing off right now. Was that the Carolina game where Pedersen chips it low? It yes. was, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. Pedersen chips it low, goes off. Yes. He doesn't get an assist on that. He doesn't even get a plus one on that. But that's, yeah. And but when Miller comes up, but his, his he, he beelines it goal. off the ice. Yeah. He's over at the near boards, yeah. chips the puck in, and then beelines it over uh, to change. JT Miller jumps on the ice. Besser and Kuzmenko actually made a good play behind the net. But, Hoaglander. Uh, Hoaglander, sorry. Hoaglander yeah. made a good play behind the net, gets it over to a Besser, and then Besser. Just great awareness. Sees JT Miller screaming down, throws it to him, and he just one times it past uh, the goaltender, Antti Ranta, I believe it was. But does that play even happen? If, if it, Chipping it in is one thing. Mm-hmm. But if he's not beelining it off the ice, and JT Miller comes on the ice a half a second later, is he getting that chance? Probably not. No. And that just shows you how much those little details do matter. Uh, 650-650 into the inbox, uh, just hearing from Rick Tockett, and uh, this one, Talk 
likes the difference between its uh, different personnel. Oyog's gone. Myers is playing less. You add in Heronik, Cole, and Spicy Zadorov as well. And certainly the personnel goes a long way too. But the overall team defense, it's, again, I think you've gotten a better version of Brock Besser too. Yeah. Uh, a more competitive defensive version of him. And not that he was bad last year at defense. It's just now that everyone's doing it, mm-hmm. uh, you you have to do it, otherwise you're going to get found out. And right now, like Andre Kuzmiko's not getting in the lineup, you're getting found out when you don't put in the work uh, defensively. No, a hundred percent. And you see that dedication happen, and it, it's going a long way, especially with this clean performance in Nashville against the Predators. All right, let's get back to the phone board six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty or toll free one triple eight two seven five zero six fifty. Unless and let's go to Vancouver where we have Aninda on the line. Aninda, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts tonight? Um, just wanted to say the I know the PDO crowd and the regression crowd. Again, no one's expecting the Canucks to you know keep a torrid pace up, and no one's calling them to be Cup winners. I think again, probably the best of the middle class about to take a step up to the contender spot. However, a lot of these people are just keep complaining about bounces and bounce this and bounce that. Like I just don't understand. Is Amon not supposed to be by the net? Is Suter not supposed to crash the net for the rebound? Is Hoaglander just let, supposed to let the go you know straight into the goalie's glove and not try to tip it like same with the chicago game you know with the mikhaev tips and whatnot like these are skilled plays you know players are always attempting to change the direction of the puck to get pucks in and and i hate when people call them bounces it's not giving the team credit for actually making still plays hey anenda good phone call thanks for your thoughts and great point and you know something we were talking about earlier but i think the caller nails it yes you are getting some things happen your way, but you're not getting them by throwing floaters in from the blue line that are seeing eye shots getting in. You know, they're, they're not throwing shots from the half boards that are getting through goaltenders. You know, they're not low danger, low opportunity shots happening. Like we're talking about, they're in, in the scoring areas getting some bounces going their way. The other thing that would concern me too is if it was all rush chances and there's some like low danger or you know, frequent rush chances because. A team can limit your rush opportunities in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Right? Because this is all about... You barely see it in the playoffs. Like, I, I don't want to see hockey that doesn't translate to the playoffs. Because everything now, because of their success, should be about... Is is what we ha- we'll see tonight, what we see on Thursday, and whatever game it is, does it translate to the playoffs? So teams can play you differently to limit your rush opportunities. And if the Canucks get there and they're like, hey, we're this big rush team. Okay, well, what's your counterpunch? Yeah. And if they don't have a counterpunch because we generate all our offense off rush chances, then like that screams a big worry for me. But all this stuff that is happening right now, because of their strong defensive play, they they win the puck back. And look, a lot of it is rebounds and some of it is tip-ins. And yeah. yeah, that stuff is volatile. But at least it's volatile within your own control. Can you win the the battles and the creases and you know find the 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 shooting lane to get a tip in? You can control all of that. With your effort, your good technique, everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there's concerns that the overall shooting regression will come down, as it will. But a, a lot of it, to me, is actually still rooted in functional hockey play, as the caller is saying. And the other thing, too, is, and we dissected this on Canuck Central today, myself and Dan. If you missed the first segment, or the segment, any of the segments, really, it's, it's worth, worth listening, of course, on the podcast. But I kind of broke down where the Canucks are scoring their goals from. And that, yes, when it comes to overall shot attempts, the Canucks are one of the, they have the fewest shots in the league in terms of offense. But what they're doing is they're, gen- they're looking for high danger shots. When it comes to 
shot some high danger areas, the true high danger areas, the Canucks are top 10 in the league. And when it comes to finishing those goals, I mean, they're getting some bounces, obviously, right? But then you look at the other thing that to me is super interesting is they're kind of average and mid to long range shots, right? So from distance, kind of average, not, not a, a ton of volume, but they're top eight in the league in offensive zone time. So what does that kind of tell you? We see it. They're looking for certain shots. They're not settling for just shots. They're, they're trying to generate higher danger scoring chances. So as much as the volume is down, you look at the, the, the chances they're generating and how much time they're spending in the offensive zone, Vic. Like it's, I'm not saying it's sustainable at these numbers. But mm-hmm. the, the point I'm trying to make is you're doing a lot of good things, just like we said about putting yourself in position to get bounces, that yes, it may not be sustainable as the highest scoring team in the league, but if it drops down, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about a team that's going to be 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, perhaps 13th, 14th? Because is it bad to be the 14th leading top team in the league in goal scoring? Not so bad if you ask the Vegas Golden Knights who won the Stanley Cup last year being 14th in the league in goal scoring. You kind of be top 15, I think, right? If you play good defense, you're top 15 in goals, you play good, clean, you know, playoff-type hockey, you have a chance in the postseason. And... That's my question about the Canucks. There will be regression, but I don't think we're going to see regression that takes the team from the highest scoring team to like the 27th, 28th, or 29th highest scoring team. Like, I don't think the floor is going to be that low. Uh, no. No, it's not. Uh, 650. 650. Keep coming with your thoughts into uh, <laughs> the inbox. Hans is texting. I just remembered how epic big scream of PDO was during the second intermission. Yeah, Bick is playing somewhat hurt too, so he, he yeah. felt like he almost put himself out of the game doing that. Yeah, that one was uh, not great. Not he was great. he was almost like uh, Corey Schneider in Game Six on the penalty shot, going across <laughs> and like almost pulling his growing and having to come out. And that's, that's almost what Bick was. We almost had to call Fast Eddie Gregory into your seat. Uh, this one from Fifth Line Center. Please uh, keep texting your your, your player types. Uh, good game against a team that was hot, thirteen and three in their last sixteen, and on a four game winning streak. Pair that with Vegas and Edmonton losses. Uh, the night can only get better with an L.A. loss. Good road trip so far, boys. Uh, so that is uh, three wins on the road trip. Yeah, not Does so that bad. Make it, uh, you know, we, we saw this road trip before, uh, or a road trip before with ending in Nashville, and they wanted to have a professional ending. Uh, what does that mean for Dallas coming up? Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, it's a winning road trip already. Uh, basically get anything out of the Dallas Sorry. game. Two wins on the road trip. Yeah, but five it's points. Five points. So yeah. it's already yeah, you're already over five hundred on yeah. a road trip. So you've already succeeded in being over five hundred mm-hmm. on a four game road trip. But that included the back to back early, despite the co- opponent not being you know really big. But it's it's one of those things you still have to come away with the points. So it's already been successful for me. For it to be excellent, I mean, you win. That's incredible. But if they're able to even get a point out of the game in Dallas, I would chalk this up as a very very successful road trip. Massive, just massive. Uh, Six fifty. Six fifty. Uh, this one, Austin and Langley, who's a glue guy, good in the room. Uh, as per <laughs> Big Head Hockey, which is an account on Twitter, yeah. uh, Canucks are undefeated with Kuzmenko in the press box. They keep <laughs> Kuzmenko there. They win every game the rest of the season and sweep the playoffs, facts only. Uh, I mean, facts only in that they've won the games that he's been healthy scratched in. I'm not sure if it's facts only that they're going to go on to win the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. But if you're projecting positivity, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But I, I, you know what? We can talk about Kuzmenko a bit more. Like, I, I don't want to spend... Like, we spend so much time pregame talking about Kuzmenko and everything. I still think there's room for Kuzmenko on this team. I still think there's another chapter to be written. I just hope that chapter is not one that gets written in uh, disappointment in the end. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it more when Ian McIntyre joins us as well. All right, let's take uh, one more phone call here before we get out. Let's go to our friend Gary in Maple Ridge. Gary, what's going on, pal? What are your thoughts tonight? Uh, can you hear me all right? Yeah, we got you. Uh, I want to talk about something that's really important here. Uh, the management's done their job. 
the coaching has done their job. Uh, I've been watching this team for years, and it's the first time in a long time where I'm actually excited. Uh, and I want to talk about one particular player in particular, and that's the Zadorov. He uh, he used to play for three other teams, and uh, he doesn't do too much other than knock players off the puck. Uh, he can he can rush the puck. I'm only I'm just joking, of course, but uh, this team. I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs, and with the goaltending, the the fact that we have a um, w- with the the addition of Zadorov and the possibility of the other the other uh, player coming back from injury, I wouldn't want to play us in the playoffs. And if we did, uh, don't look now, but maybe one one or possibly two other uh, other players uh, in addition. We might be hoisting something, and wouldn't that be fun, guys? Hey, uh, Gary, thanks for the phone call. Uh, Gary Gary is uh, fired up. I saw other people text in and say uh, 2011 vibes. Get Listen, hyped. Get hyped, man. Uh, do your thing. Be hyped. I have no issues with uh, people getting hyped. There hasn't been a lot of hype when it comes to the Canucks in recent years. So if you want to you know, get high on the hopium today, I mean, you can, you can certainly do that. The hopium? <laughs> That's great. I've never heard that before. <laughs> All right. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text in the inbox. We'll get to more of your thoughts as the show goes on. Uh, we are going to hear from Canucks players on the other side. Plus, we'll break down Quinn Hughes. And the Canucks Central postgame show is presented by the number five orange. So the game is over. But is your night really done? Number five is open. More coming up on Home Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 15 seconds left in the power play to Hughes. Now to Miller. Low shot. Stopped by Soros. Rebound for Heronic in front. Soros stopped that too. And the Predators get it out to center. Hughes beaten to the puck by Sissons. But then the Vancouver defenseman recovers to knock it off his stick. Novak steps out of the box. Canucks go to 0 for 3 on the power play as Bluger drives into the right wing. He scores. Teddy Bluger off the rush, fires it up high as the power play was expiring or had just expired. Past UC Soros and the third line continues to roll. It's 5-1 Vancouver. What a finish by Teddy Bluger as he comes off the bench and is hitting stride. By Quinn Hughes with that puck, just coming down the right-hand side. And Roman Yossi has to be honest to playing Quinn Hughes, who's coming down the middle. Like most defensemen, he's not going to let up and slam the brakes. He's moving forward, being aggressive, which opens up more space for Teddy Bluger coming down the right-hand side, who can flip the puck past UC Soros. And that'll be it for UC Soros as Kevin Lankinen is coming into this game after five goals by the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks win 5-2 over the National Predators on the road. And this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. We'll hit your thoughts here uh, as the show goes on. But you heard the goal coming in. Teddy Bluger, his fourth on the season, already matches the four he had last year with Pittsburgh and the Vegas Golden Knights. And a player who the team said can score a bit more. They thought he has a bit more offense in his 
game, and he's certainly providing that through 19 games with the Vancouver Canucks. But yes, he does a great job finishing off a play. But I know you want to outline a lot of the work that Quinn Hughes don, does on this uh, entire shift, really. I mean, you, you put a screenshot on Twitter, and you had it as... 12 seconds before the Canucks scored. Walk us through what you meant and what, what you saw on the ice with Quinn Hughes in the neutral zone at the time. Yeah, it was a play Randeep was mentioning earlier, too, where the puck gets knocked out of the zone and Quinn Hughes racing with Colton Sissons. And Colton Sissons does really good work here. Like He, he technically wins the initial battle. Yeah, he kind of gets position. He, he, he gets position and he wins the puck. And he kind of bodies Quinn Hughes to the side. And Quinn's... Basically, like, full stride. His knee is almost touching the ice, just outside the blue line along the near boards. And then Sissons goes to take the puck away, and immediately, like, Hughes recovers, takes the puck away, just slips underneath Colton Sissons. And this is where we talk about, like, winning with speed, winning with agility while defending. He does it. And then, like, the it's a very uncompromising position Hughes is in. Skating back towards your yeah. own goal and, you know, getting bodied by a much larger player. And he does it. No problem. And then skates up ice. And the play that is so excellent on this Bluger goal is how he holds Yossi. He enters the zone kind of like a quarterback, how he holds a safety. Yeah, it's like, yes. I'll, I'll stare right at you. I'm going to make you commit to me. And meanwhile, this guy is running free over here. And he gets Bluger, who, who finally is, is able to enter the play and with speed gets to his forehand and scores a goal. But it's, it's huge work in the defensive zone. And the obviously fantastic play going one on one versus Hughes, uh, versus uh, Robin Yossi on that play to set a Bluger. A, a great uh, example in terms of lo- looking off uh, defensive backs and mm-hmm. and also the respect. The thing is, when you have certain gravity as a player, you have to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And I think in that moment, you saw he, he sees that the guys are kind of respecting him too. They're kind of afraid of what he's going to do, and that just buys you a bit more time. You keep kind of you know keeping them off until you made that pass until Teddy Bluger. Just, just incredible sequence by Quinn Hughes, and I thought he was he was magnificent and an absolute masterclass. And there's so many times in this game where he was contesting plays in the neutral zone, stepping up, taking pucks away, getting sticks on sticks. And I thought him and Heronic were good defensively. I know a goal got scored when they were on the ice, but it was kind of the low zone play, and it wasn't really either of their fault in terms of how that sequence happened. So uh, it's tough to be, to find any real fault in the way Elias Petters, I'm sorry, Quinn Hughes played tonight, and even his D partner, Philip Peronic. Strong game from both those guys. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 656.50, Nav in Dallas. What a game. I was upset about Kuzi being scratched again, but how can I even complain with this performance? The, the Smith was a steal. We're so, we're so fortunate to have him. What do you all think about putting Hoagie with Petey? Because in all honesty, Suter does not belong in the first line. Um, and Myers looks good with Big Z and says, can't wait to be at the game on Thursday that's his December 25th looking out behind the bench to see the black skate jersey hopefully he says uh, Canucks and Dallas Stars in his hometown or where he lives now Nav in Dallas and you know as far as um, no black skate on the road no I don't think so but uh, as only get those neon ones though from Dallas well no he's gonna wear his black skate my bad he's gonna wear his black skate jersey I I got you I got you my my, my bad my bad Um, uh, as far as putting Hoganang I like those neon ones by the way they are nice (laughs) Uh, I will say uh, putting uh, Hoglander with Pedersen I think we've seen it before I just I, even Hoglander himself has said it's probably not the best place for him I think he he needs a place where he can dig pucks out and just work hard and that's really the F1 role and McCabe already kind of does that a little bit so I don't think it's the best fit in terms of that um, as far as Pew Suter I don't think Pew Suter is a long term solution but if Kuzmenko's not there I, I mean, long term this year, this t- this yeah. season I mean if Kuzmenko's not playing right now and I'd like to see Kuzmenko back at some point here 
yes, Lafferty can do it in a spell, but I think Pew Suter has a bit more staying power because of his intelligence. And man, I thought he made a number of smart plays along the boards. He made a great pass to Elias Pettersson. That's what uh, Talk was referencing. Yeah, yeah, that was in the second period. Yeah. This was before uh, any of the goals got scored in the second. A great no-look pass behind the net to Elias Pettersson, and Pettersson hits the post and almost scores. Maybe one of the best scoring chances in the game. And that's not to mention all the other great work that he did. So I'm not sure I'm there with Pew Suter. I think right now he, he probably fits on that line. Yeah, in the here and now, and it's nice to have another options. And we were talking about the other day, a couple of games ago, how there's not really competitive options for the power play even. This to me would be an interesting one. If there's chemistry there and he knows how to play certain roles, then you know, such a vital role in that, you know, the fifth forward on that group is puck retrievals. And, you know, it, we don't often talk about, you know, defensive presence in the offensive zone on the power play. But, you know, how you retrieve the puck. It, honestly, if you watch Boston, maybe not this year, but previous years with like Bergeron and everybody, how they poked the puck away yeah. in the offensive zone yes. on loose pucks and just kept it alive for someone. It's one of the things we've noticed about Pew Suter this year yeah. is how good his stick work is. He, 100%. And if you're looking for more competition right now, it's really just six guys. It's it's Kuzmenko goes out and well, it's, it's Ronico in. I wouldn't be surprised if Suter gets a run on power play because, okay, now we can show he's got some chemistry with Pedersen and he's got some ability. He can score goals at this level. Yeah. We know that. And he's got another element that he can win along the boards. If if he can showcase that for a stretch here, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a, a name that, that finds itself on the power play. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. And especially if, you know, uh, they don't get going even with Philip Peronik there. I think that's a good point. And we'll see ultimately where Kuzmenko goes. Marty the Realtor says, a long te- text, I'll, I'll truncate it, but essentially says the talk of talk and Kuzmenko not being a good fit is hogwash. Because, of course, Kuzi isn't happy being in the press box, but he's a professional who's dedicated to his grad craft and talk has said in the post game that he's trying to put Kuz in a position to get his confidence back and be the type of player that they can count on in the playoffs and play with and he thinks the communication the coach has and his track record can actually work with Andre Kuzmenko and I think Marty makes a good point in terms of the head coach being invested in his players because Kuzmenko wouldn't be the first player he's challenged and been hard on but then allowed to redeem himself and then award with bigger roles too we're seeing it with Hoaglander we saw it with Dakota Joshua we even saw it with Tyler Myers so I think I think there is a pathway there for Andre Kuzmenko still, and I do. I'm not sure if we're at a point where Kuzmenko is happy with this, but I do think we're still at the stage where he's willing to work on it. But he's going to have to hone in on these things because we're not just talking about early in the season anymore. Like we're at game 33 and he's yeah. been healthy scratched. The, the issue though with the with the other players that you mentioned is like the ceiling of what they have to go achieve is much lower than what Kuzmenko has to go do. So you can put Hoaglander in the fourth line. You can put Joshua in the fourth line, yeah. and they can take the baby steps to go get back to Joshua with Bluger and Garland. You see, okay, it's working. It's a third line yeah. level. Hoaglander, you can put him with the second line for a short sprint. And by the way, it hasn't been perfect. Like he got moved off the line a couple of games ago. Yeah, but the coach bench. But, but I'm just saying, yeah, like, you're right. You're he gets right. back to the second line because mm-hmm. Manko doesn't really have a pathway to go from benched to first line. Well, no, I, I think because, he like, does. No, but putting him on the fourth line doesn't. No, work. no. But it's, here's the, but here's it's the thing. such it's such a misallocation of his of his I, I, of his game. But I don't I don't think it's even about. I think honestly, Beck, I don't even think it's about. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's not a right fit for him. But I think it's more about when I put you in that spot. Can you simply do the things I want you to do? 
I think that's that's all, all I think he has to do, Bic, mm-hmm. is have clean line changes, be in the right spot when he, when when he's the first forward in, and his responsibility is to get on the puck, get on the puck. Mm-hmm. And if you have to contest plays, contest plays. I think that's what he's asking of him. And I think it's meet those basics. If I put you on the fourth line, you meet the basics and you work your butt off. I'll move you back up again. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's that simple. And I think there's a pathway if he just does those things. Like, I don't think what he has to do is impossible. Like we're not talking about we're not asking him to go out there and score a hat trick every game. Like mm-hmm. they're literally asking him to be in the right spot, dump the puck in at the end of your shift, make a clean line change, and know what position you have to be in. Don't abandon your responsibilities. And I think if he does those things cleanly for a couple of games, he'll get a chance going up again. But we watch him in person, Bick, right? And I love a lot of things he does. Mm-hmm. But how many times every game, there's at least two or three shifts every single game where he stays out extra, where he does a spin like you mm-hmm. mentioned uh, that Nashville did. Who was the player? Who Cole did Smith. It? Cole Smith did the spin, loses it. The Canucks go the other way. Elias Pettersson scores. We've seen that happen with Kuzmenko, right? Just don't do those things. And I don't, I don't think that's it's a, an impossibly high bar to cross. But is that where he draws confidence from? Right, because we're talking about building his confidence up, and I, I, I don't, I, I kind of disagree that this is the way to get his confidence up. I mean, hey, listen, it's not working. Mm-hmm. So if it's not working, you disagree with it. It's a fair point, and it's it's one thing. It, it's okay. I don't want to overstate this. I'm not trying to overstate this. I don't want it this to be dramatic in the way it's going to come off. But this is the biggest challenge Talkit has had with an individual player. Yeah, and because of the stakes with the player. A guy who was so prolific last year, where he fits in, and it's and not. By working. the way, prolific under Tockett too. He scored more goals under Tockett than he did under yes. Boudreaux. So it's not. It's not as if this can't work. It's just right now it's not working, and I would say like I there there needs to be one at least one more honest attempt at Kuzmenko in the top six. Yes, and Kuzmenko with Pedersen. Yeah, before you come to any conclusion, be like, all right, this isn't going to work. Look, there's another year to this deal. I understand that, but. A lot of people are going to be looking at March 8th and say, hey, is this something you can solve now? Between now and March 8th, this is hardly at, you know, five alarms right now. Mm -hmm. Because you have to give it another opportunity in the top six to say, look, we benched you. We took you out of the lineup. We've tried to get you to, to, to follow the staples. We scratched you again. There's probably one more chance in the top six. At least one more chance yeah. to see if you can get it to work. And again, you're not asking for a huge threshold of competency of all the things that you talk about. All the things you can talk about that you just mentioned, he can do that playing the, in, on the first line. So that's why I think like putting him on the fourth line to me doesn't really make a lot of sense because there's also other elements yeah. in, in that role that you have to fulfill of like just play with energy and be physical. Like some guys do tonight, like PDG and. And, and Nils Oman and Lafferty. He just doesn't really do those things. Well, is, it, is this a case of him having his struggles at the wrong time? Because the Pedersen line wasn't going. Mm-hmm. Right? The Miller line was kind of struggling. I mean, Miller himself was critical of mm-hmm. how they played. We spoke about Pedersen. He's been productive, but he hasn't looked the same. Their defensive impact had kind of waned. They weren't spending as much time in the offensive zone. So it's not like they were having... I think that it wasn't a situation where I think he feels like, okay, this line's going. These guys are going. So I can they can drag Kuzmenko along. I think he's looking at it and saying, I need to get these guys going too. And I can't, I can't have the guys who are not going trying to get this guy going. You know, and I think there's the part of that too, especially when you're trying to win hockey games. Saving one lamb when the wolf is in the pen. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> Pretty much, right? I think that's that's more or less what it is. Uh, Mike in Calgary, we have some critical UFAs to, to resign. We will have uh, have space, but will we have space to bring Cole into Smith back? Cole has been a great addition, has some calming effect when he's on the ice. I think he's fi- kind of flown under the radar. Great show, Mike in Calgary. Uh, thanks, Mike. And I do think he's flown under the radar because this is the first we're mentioning him now, almost uh, an hour and a half into the post game show. And you turned to me uh, when we were watching the game, and you you asked me how many years do you think Ian Cole has left? As in, like, good years left? He's, what, mm-hmm. 33 years old? Like, how many good years does he have left? And stop blogging. I meant it as a positive, yes, all right? He, he meant it as, oh, I'll, I'll get there. Yeah, how many good years does he have <laughs> left? And I said, I mean, good years, as in, like, what he's playing, like, now, yeah. two or three. And the point, you, the reason you asked that question is, like, can you find a way to bring this guy back because of how good he is defensively? And the calming effect that Mike mentions clearly is there defensively. I know he's made some mistakes and some penalties, but he's been... Like, like he's been an absolutely huge net positive defensively for this team for the most part this season. Yeah, he's going to turn 35 in February. 35, there you right? go. So older, th- yeah. That's why I bring it up. Um, but, you know, we were talking earlier about the to-do list of the off-season uh, free agents. Like, Ian Cole's on the to-do list. Yeah, the, like, only, I, the only thing is, like, you have Susie signed. He signs the door off. Like, how many lefties are you going to have? I know. Like, I don't know. Like, I wonder. It's, it's, it's why I ask. It's yeah. why I wonder. Because... Yeah. You know, he's been really, really impressive. Very good defensively. There's just so many moments where you can just see him just kind of take the breath in the game. And, like, it just feels like everyone kind of settles down. And he just makes a subtle play, gets the puck out of the zone. And, you know, we keep mentioning things that translate to the playoffs. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of what Ian Cole is doing translates in the playoffs. Absolutely. And I, I still think his, I think he's had some struggles on the PK at times, like the whole team has had. And I think mm-hmm. that's still an area of his game that we want to see him have a bigger impact in. I do think, though, Bick, that one of the storylines in the second half of the season, and I truly believe this, is how much the PK is going to turn around. Mm-hmm. If it turns around. I, I think it will. Okay. Well, that's my prediction. You want to mark it down? I'm, uh, mark it down. It's, uh, it's December 19th. Hang on. I didn't have that spreadsheet. Yeah, mark it down on. for me. But I do uh, think by the end of the season, we'll have a different discussion about the PK. Six block shots for Ian Cole tonight. Is that good? I think that's pretty that's good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Hang on. Uh, uh, PK will turn around. Yes. All right. Johnny Bubla texts in, and this is a good point. I feel like we're used to watching a team that would get deflated way too often. Now, we're winning games. We're supposed to win. Finding a way to win. When PD has a night off, Miller picks it up. People pick it up or the slack. Also, talking foot, uh, talk uh, foot and Gonchar have over three thousand games played experience. That is massive. Uh, novel over. That is Johnny Bubla texting in, and I think that's a great point about how they've had guys pick up the slack. How they've always had somebody contribute. I mean, we spoke so much about the Connor Garland, Dakota Joshua, uh, uh, Teddy uh, Teddy Bluger line, and how good they've been recently. And they had carried the team over this seven game stretch where they've won six and have one OTL. Uh, sorry, shootout loss. Those two guys have been, I mean, that line has been the Canucks' best line. They've really carried them through a lot of those games. And right now, tonight, those guys didn't quite score offensively. Those guys picked it up again. So they've had players contribute when others haven't, and I think that's been a big part of, the, of their success so far. And let's give Dakota Joshua another shout. Another strong game. I mean, mm-hmm. he had a great scoring chance on a drag move on a 2-on-1. Connor Garland had some good moments again. We know Teddy Bluger scored. But, I mean, that line, to me... Uh, has been such a fine and each one of those guys having a strong identity and even tonight even though it wasn't like a banner night like we've seen the previous games from them in, in the same type of way again positive contributors the, that line has become such a stabilizing force right yeah. and we we thought it was already good with Suter was out with that duo and I don't know if it's taken another step and I, I'm not even saying like I, I came into the season saying Bluger should be the third line center but I think the fit with those three has been better 
but I think maybe Suter's better suited for this role where he can kind of rove everywhere. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of worked out fantastically that, you know, Suter can play this, I can go here, I can go here. He's, he's suddenly become like the fixer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pew Suter. Where you know you put him in the top six, suddenly things working. He played with Joshua and Garland when like all the hoopla at the beginning of the year of like Garland is he doesn't want to be here. Joshua is he getting cut? And he fixed that line and Bluger steps in. It's been really good. It, it's been really impressive what they've been able to do, especially with the the manner in which they're playing overall. Because you know we had a couple of texts here. I apologize. I hate the ones when we lose them uh, just because there's so many texts coming in here. Uh, but there was one just about talking about how they the puck pursuit was unreal yes, tonight yes. and. Uh, you know that line is probably the epitome of that. That was Jay in West Vancouver. Thank you. Jay, Jay in West Vancouver, glue guy as in glued to the bench. <laughs> Canucks puck pursuit is incredible right now. Yes, and and that that line is the one that's probably doing it the most, and it's it's because you know the. They've also been together probably the longest, too. Yeah. And you start noticing the chemistry and the goal of the other game where it was Garland enters his own, kicks it down the wall to Joshua. He kind of gets latches onto it, flips it into uh, Bluger in the middle. Like, that's a, 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 a line with chemistry. And that's the offensive chemistry, but also the defensive chemistry of their pursuit has been so fantastic. Yeah, it really has been. And it goes back to the connectivity, too, that we talk about, playing as a five-man unit and really getting the job done in so many different ways. And, you know, just just another strong game for the Canucks here tonight. 5-2 victory on the road over the Nashville Predators. One more game to go on the road trip, and that is Thursday in Dallas against the Stars. And the Canucks do come back home, have a game on the weekend right before Christmas against the San Jose Sharks. So things really looking positive. As far as the out-of-town scoreboard goes, people have been kind of pointing this out as well. Edmonton loses another game. So the gap between the Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers now, 19 points. 19 points! And uh, we'll see ultimately what happens with the LA Kings and some of the other games. LA currently up 3-0 on the Sharks. All right, we'll hear from Elias Patterson, and we are going to get to Ian McIntyre, more of your thoughts as the Canucks have a post-game show rolls on, presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Juleson in the near corner, floats it high in the air, out to center. Bouncing puck, settled by Barry, stretch pass left wing, here's Nyquist in alone with a high wrist shot, and DeSmith stopped him off the shoulder. Great save on the partial break for Gustav Nyquist. I mean, it's obviously a great, Patrick made an unreal trade getting him, um... But you know, obviously he stops the puck. He's a great, but I, I, his, he's one of the most well-liked guys in the room. He's uh, got a, I mean, he didn't start for two weeks. He's got a smile on his face. He's taking shots after practice. I mean, I mean that boosts the morale. And uh, Casey Smith is, uh, is one of those guys, high-character guy. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett, full of praise for his netminder. Casey DeSmith tonight picks up his sixth victory in his 10th start for the Vancouver Canucks. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Home Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network, presented by the number five Orange Canucks, 5 2 victors in Nashville against Predators. And the Preds don't see the Canucks anymore this season. And I think they're pretty happy about it. Absolutely dominated by the team from BC with a yet another victory. Seven games with points in a row, six of those being victories for your Vancouver Canucks currently only one point behind the Vegas Golden Knights for the top spot in the Pacific Division both teams have played 33 games so and far three wins over Nashville you know I do this thing where you just like mm-hmm. draw from the buckets of yes. each team 
So, you know, you come to the season, you, you know, four out of six, you'd probably say, against Nashville. Right? Two and one. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to get thrilled. You get 66% of your points. You'd be thrilled. Well, they got six from Nashville. So that means you're, you're two, two above par there. Yeah. You can give two away to someone else. Uh, they lost against San Jose. San Jose won Suddenly game. That's that San Jose lost. It's like, all right, if you get six against San Jose, that's fine. Yeah. And now they have the Sharks coming up. Is that the final game against the Sharks? The one that's coming up? Uh, the final game of the. Uh, of the, uh, like, uh, the. Yeah, before the break. It's, it's but I'm Dallas saying, I'm not saying they don't play the Sharks anymore this season. They have the, the, that's the uh, last game yeah, against the Sharks, actually, yeah. right? So, I mean, you want to take care of business on the weekend, too, and, mm-hmm. then, and then only have the one loss against the San Jose Sharks. Can you imagine going into the, the, the holiday break with 48 points? Like at minimum, I can. They, they they could get to fifty. Well, I mean, the, the way this team has performed, I can certainly imagine it. Why wouldn't I imagine? Yeah. It? They've earned me imagining. I just mean from the beginning of the year. Yes. Well, no. Can you imagine October eleventh? Right. We're getting ready for the Oilers pregame. We're like, all right, what can happen? McDavid's so good. And we're like, hey, can you imagine fifty points by game thirty three? Yeah. By well, game, game thirty six. Yeah. Or thirty five. Before we say, you know, happy holidays to everyone. Yeah. We're gonna say talk about fifty points. That's a nice Christmas present. That'd be amazing. Yeah, open that on on December twenty fifth. Can I say amaze balls? That'd be amaze balls. Yeah, I, know, I just did. You, you said it now. Yeah. Um, as far as somebody else, you know what? We mentioned we're gonna get the thoughts of Elias Patterson, and here he is post game. Scored a goal tonight. Strong performance from him and his team in a five two victory. And here he is post game. Uh, I think it was a good, solid uh, sixty minute from us. We talked about our starts, and uh, and I think we came out. Came out strong. Uh, we defended well. Uh, they made good in net again. And overall, uh, all players contributed and, and played well. What was going on in terms of the chemistry? Your second game playing with Pew Suter on your line. What's worked with you guys and helped you click so quickly? I mean, he, he makes plays. He's smart out there. Uh, I mean, he's a center normally. Uh, so that helps me. I can be, uh, I don't have to worry or think about too much if I end up Ferris up on the four check. He he or Mick will track back for me. So, and I mean today I think we we played well. I think we played well in Chicago as well. But um, yeah, a step in the right direction today. They get within one, and then you scored two goals in 46 seconds. What did you guys talk about on the bench when they made that push back? Uh, just uh, keep with it or stay with it. I mean we uh, I liked our game even though when they score, but just keep going. Don't let that uh, slow us down or get, give them any momentum. Uh, and then, yeah, very timely two goals as well. We seem to talk about it a lot, but now a perfect 19 wins when you carry the lead into the final frame. What does that say about this group and, and the buy-in? Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I think it's like now obviously we feel like comfortable playing with a lead and we're playing with, within our structure. Uh, keep getting it deep, very cliche, but that's what brings our, our success so far. Neil scored again tonight. He's been having a great year offensively, but also in terms of earning trust, and he's been out there late defending leads, moving up the lineup. I know you're close friends with him. How, how cool is it, has it been to see him really take that step? No, I mean, it's 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 fun. I mean, he, he works hard. Uh, he's always trying to get better, and uh, he's been scoring a lot of goals lately, and, um, and I mean, he's continuing learning, and it's good for him to get that trust and continue building to get a, become a better player. That is Elias Pettersson uh, after a 5-2 win over the Preds and full of praise as well for Pew Suter. And something interesting about Pew Suter. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned there, uh, you know, when he's forechecking and Mikheyev's forechecking, 
Uh, or he, he mentioned both guys here about you know how he yeah. tracks back, tracks back, and then he knows they'll cover for him. And there's trust in about of what to do and, and how to play. Can we play that clip back? Let's just hear that with that one specific answer. He makes plays. He's smart out there. Uh, I mean, he's a center normally, uh, so that helps me. I can be. Uh, I don't have to worry or think about too much if I end up furthest up on the four check. He he or Mick will track back for me. So. And I mean, today I think we, we played well. I think we played well in Chicago as well. But um, yeah, I step in the right direction today. So, yeah. Praise for Suter, but is that a hidden comment also? I mean, so I, I don't think he's trying to backhand compliment. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't think he's trying to backhand uh, Kuzmenko with the comment. But I do think the answer does show probably what. It, an issue had been sure. but for him to go to that right away i don't think it was so much about i'm going to blame kuzmenko but it's more yes. about what we were lacking yes. and now what we have just, which is notable again just, just and again it's like, it out, yeah. we talk about the coach when coaches make these decisions yes it's about them holding accountability sometimes it's also about like hey man your teammates right now don't know what you're doing and you gotta you gotta be able to get their trust as well here right so uh it's interesting very interesting illustrative Oh, very post game good from word. Elias Pettersson. Yes, yeah, very il- illustrative and a uh, good comment from he's him. He's painting the box score and he's painting the airwaves too. Well, I mean, like think of it this way, right? Like when you don't know where your teammates. So if you're supposed to be the first guy, on, like if you're the first guy into the zone, you don't do what you're supposed to do. Then the next guy has to think about what to do, mm-hmm. and in, that becomes in the a game problem. That demands to be so reactive. Yeah, it's like, hey, if you take care of what you need to do, then I'm just going to do what I need to do, mm-hmm. and then then the connectivity becomes a lot easier. But when those things don't happen, it makes it far more challenging. And it's interesting to hear uh, Elias Pettersson mention that there um, after the game here in Nashville. And you know, as far as Kuzmenko goes, we'll see ultimately. When he gets back in the lineup, the coach did say there is an opportunity that he could, you know, he said Dallas will figure it out. But considering they won, I'm just not sure we'll see him come back in against Dallas. Like, did anybody deserve to come? Like, they played such a good overall team game and everybody, you know, carried their weight that I don't know if there's anybody that, that deserves to come out of the lineup. No, there's nobody. I'd be stunned if someone's coming out after tonight. I mean, only uh, only to Smith because Demko's getting the start. That's pretty much it. <laughs> That would be the true punishment. Andre, you're going in goal tonight. <laughs> Could you imagine? But, okay, but Nils Oman scored. Yeah, he no. played 12-34. PDG played well. Uh, PDG got uh, 14 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's coming out. You know, so we'll see. You know, we'll ask the man we call the triple threat. You watch him on TV, you read him on digital, and you hear him on radio, and he's presented by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. He is Ian McIntyre. Does he? Does he? Can he find his? Can he navigate his way out of uh, the press box? Uh, yeah, of course he can. Once he gets a chance, there's not much you can do. Yeah, actually, to navigate from the press box, other than <laughs> I, I presume the team's going to practice tomorrow. So, you know, he needs to be one of the best guys at practice. And but even that, if I'm Rick Tockett, I'm probably not changing the lineup uh, for Dallas because. I thought this was one of their best games of the season and their their best their best road game in a while here tonight. They were very good, top to bottom. You look at the scores, 
you look at how the lines played, and I know the the fourth line was on for both goals against, but they also got a line from Oman. They had a lot of good moments. Uh, I, I don't think anyone on merit deserves to come out of this game. You know, that said, the, on principle, uh, Talkett may want to get Kismenko back in and give him, give him a chance to, you know, to prove again that, that he should be playing <laughs> every game. Who thought that was going to be an issue? 33 games in that uh, we wondered if Andre Kuzmenko was going to do enough to prove that he should be in the lineup. Like forget about scoring 39 goals, just getting in. But, you know, he hasn't been good enough lately. Uh, and, you know, I don't see that anybody opened a, opened a door for him tonight, the way the Canucks played. I was saying it to Sat earlier and uh, given Rick Talkett's comments that he said, uh, I, I like the way they play defense. Uh, you know, even 33 games into the season, I, I would have been stunned if if Rick Tockett said that about this group. I think it's it's so uh, impressive how this team has turned themselves around. You know, albeit you know they had the, the runway with Tockett last year, but still, it, it's surprising that we're talking about a team playing so well defensively, given what we've seen here the past couple of seasons. Yeah, you know, the Canucks have said, and I think every team says this. Every every good team says this that. You know, no disrespect to our opponents, but it's about us, right? The, the Canucks think if they're on their game, they can beat anybody. That statement uh, isn't entirely true because the opponent matters when you're not playing well. Had they had they been playing a much better team than Chicago on Sunday, for instance, they might not have survived the first 20 or 25 minutes mm-hmm. of that game. But... Uh, I'll say this, when they are, when the Canucks are on their game, like they were tonight, I mean, they just, they just iced a team that had won 13 of 16. They chased a, They chased away one of the league's best goalies, a guy who had won seven straight starts and had allowed five goals in his last four. And, you know, there was nothing... I mean, yeah, there's always luck and that you need, you know, the bounce off the net on Shen's turnover that went to Amon. You know, that's that's luck. But Amon still has has to finish it, which which he did. But there was nothing gimmicky or tripped up or, you know, there's no asterisks on this game. I mean, the Canucks won this game easily, I'm going to say. And they did it without anything from JT Miller or Brock Besser. And you look at the, the five five goal scores for them by the end of the night. And four of them are Niels Oman, Niels Hoaglander, Hugh Suter, and who am I missing? I don't mean Pedersen. Pedersen yep. is one. There's another there's another bottom six. I should have the score sheet. Uh, Bluger, Suter, Oman, Hoaglander. Bluger, thank you. Bluger, yeah. Bluger. Bluger. So I thought you four mentioned of the five Bluger, yeah. guys. Like I know, I know Suter. Suter is playing up uh, the lineup right now, but that's four of the five scores are essentially from their bottom six guys who typically are in their bottom six, and you know they just rolled o- rolled over Nashville. So we'll see. 
We'll see how they do against Dallas, but I, I thought that was one of their best performances of the season. Did you guys not? No, I thought so as well. I mean, I, th- I thought it, it truly was one of the best performances, and I think one of the things that they did so well, uh, and they have been doing well over this stretch in general, is play well defensively. I think as much as we talk about them scoring, and, and they've been fantastic, I think that the true identity of the team is really how they protect the front of their net and, and how easy at times to make it for their goaltenders. Yeah, I, I think it's that, uh, but I think it's also... I think it's also a little more. I think that's probably the most important element, Sat, that how how they play in, in front of their own uh, goalie, how they protect the slot, how they box out, how they get out of their zone. But, you know, that's that's probably the most important thing. And I think most NHL coaches would say that. Uh, most, most of them, if given a choice, Say, do you want to be outstanding defensively and then you work on your offense, or do you want to be outstanding offensively? I bet most would say, well, give me the defense first and then we'll work out the other stuff. Um, but I also think in the Canucks, their identity is about, it's about both ends of the ice and it's about both slots. It's, yes, it's how they, it's what they do to keep players and pucks away from their goal. And that, that is number one. But I think a lot of it with talk is what do you do in front of the other team's goal? Like how, how many times do we hear them talk about needing to get to the net and, and needing to play direct? And if you look at a couple of the goals, the one in particular I thought was an outstanding example of what talk is looking for. And it came from a guy who was in the doghouse long before Andre Kuzmenko's Nils Hoglander's goal. You go back and watch that goal from the faceoff. So Miller wins the faceoff on the right side. Hoglander's lined up on the left side of the circle. So he spins away to try to get to the front of the net. And Alex Carrier is trying to block him out. And it's he's trying physically and he's trying hard to block him out. This wasn't a flimsy check or a guy, a defenseman not paying attention. Carrier was on him right away, trying to stop Hoglander from getting to the middle of the ice. Hoglander fights through him, battles through that block out to get to the middle of the ice. And then as the shot is coming, has to battle him a little more to get his stick free, get his hands free and his stick free to redirect it in. And that goal was so much about will more than more than skill. And I hate to use cliches like that, but uh, I thought, I think that kind of goal and that kind of play is also extremely important to talk and extremely important to this team. Yeah. You can't keep rhyming Ian. we can't add more threats. Uh, I know. To your, uh, well, I, I just hate the here. skill The you know, <laughs> will beats, skill if skill has no will or whatever yeah, that yeah. dumb saying is that it's a great saying don't don't, don't, uh, don't take credence away from the saying of uh hard work yeah. beats talent when talent doesn't work hard uh yeah same thing it's same a great thing. phrase uh yeah, i can't remember I, what i was gonna ask you now uh oh sorry <laughs> um who's got uh more staying power in the top six then Suter or hoaglander well, I'm not a good authority on this bit because you already proved me wrong with your prediction that Lafferty <laughs> would be coming uh, off of it's, Pedersen's line. It's hardly about me being right, but thank you for acknowledging <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, that's why you keep asking me this. We're going to be talking. <laughs> no, about I was I was asking have... because you were just just uh, 
praising Nils Hoaglander on a game yeah. where both guys played well. Just curious then. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to be asking me about this like game after game after game for a while. Just so I, I and you got to admit, I'm being pretty generous about it. Absolutely. I'm bringing up yeah. that you were right. Uh, well, okay. So, Suter or Hoaglander, who has more staying power? Yeah. For now, and I didn't think I would say this. I couldn't have imagined it a month ago. I think Hoaglander does, but part of that is because. Ultimately, for the Canucks to have their best lineup, they need Suter at center. And I think part of the reason Suter is playing up on the wing right now is because Teddy Bluger has been unbelievably better than anybody thought as, as far as offense. I think he's been what exactly what they were hoping for as far as uh, defensive conscience, his IQ, uh, how he helps the penalty kill, how he you know helps protect leads. Uh, I think Bluger has been just what they wanted, but he's been better than what they thought he could be offensively. On paper, Suter should be the third line center. Bluger should be the fourth line center. But Bluger's been so good, and especially on that third line with with Garland and Dakota Joshua, that Talkett doesn't want to move him. So. Suter comes back from injury or alien abduction. We're not sure yet (laughs) which it was. And you have a choice. Okay, so you're not moving Bluger. So are you going to play Pew Suter on your fourth line? Or are you going to move him to wing? And if you move him to wing, then you have the possibility of playing him higher. Because, again, you're not going to play him on the wing on the third line because of the chemistry those guys have. So do you want to play him as a fourth line center or play him as a winger in the top six? And, you know, with those circumstances, Tockett's chosen to put him in the top six. And he looks looks terrific. Uh, Looks terrific on that line. But ultimately, for the Canucks to be their their best team, in my opinion, they're going to need to have Suter, Bluger, Miller, and Pedersen as their four centers. Uh, We got asked earlier on the postgame show, uh, what was Alvin's best move and is it Lafferty? Or sorry, not Lafferty. Um, is it Casey DeSmith? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Funny you should ask me that because I've just written one of my takeaways for Sportsnet on this, suggesting that it's that. But really, it's Lafferty. But the, both trades have been absolute home runs. In fact, they've been grand slams. They've been walk-off grand slams with curtain calls because, you know, Lafferty and DeSmith have performed so well. The reason I say Lafferty, although I didn't say this in my story, (laughs) but the reason I'd say Lafferty is because they they literally gave up nothing to get him. Like, they gave up a fifth-round pick, which is as close to nothing as you can have. Um, You know, in in the case of DeSmith, they gave up uh, Tanner Pearson. And Tanner Pearson was surplus. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting... You know, they gave up Tanner Pearson, who was the 20-goal scorer from their top six. I'm not saying that. But Tanner Pearson, as he showed in Montreal before, um, sadly, he got hurt again. He's he's still an NHL player, and he's a solid NHL player. And DeSmith has, has been, you know, uh, fantastic as as a backup. But, you know, Tanner Pearson's not nothing. I... I, I 
and again, I, I understand economics and the salary cap, and that in a sense, even if Casey DeSmith had fallen on his face, at least moving moving off of Pearson and saving a million and a half dollars still might have made the trade worthwhile. I, I get that. But when you look at the return they're getting from Sam Lafferty for what they gave up, like nothing, that that to me makes that the best trade, but they're both absolute home runs by Alvin and his staff. I asked, uh, I actually asked Jim Rutherford about that in my one-on-one with him last week. And I thought his answer was really interesting about it being a group effort and how, how they run through how the chronology works when, when they're looking at the trades that first they identify the player and then they run it through their analytics department. And then they do um, a deeper dive on their pro scouting reports on that player. And then they have a discussion and try to come to some kind of consensus. But in the end, it's Patrick Alvin's call because he's the GM. And he sure made the right call on both of those guys. Well, they certainly have. And, and that's a process that uh, seems very comprehensive and, and very new age. And I think that's something that gives the team a lot of confidence. I mean, the fan base a lot of confidence that they can keep getting these moves right. And another move that was absolutely bang on was getting Rick Talk and his staff behind the bench with this team. And Nikita Zadorov was on a podcast, the Dropping Gloves podcast, I think the Tim Scott one, John Scott one. And uh, there's a quote out there, but uh, essentially, long story short, he one of the things he spoke about was how the coaches and the team and the players get along really well. They have great chemistry. And he spoke about how many great coaches they have, how they have two Sedins, how they have Gonchar, they have Foot, how they have Talkin, and how strong their communication is. And, and that's a big reason for the buy-in that they have. Is enough being said about how this coaching staff has reached these players? Well, I think, I think people recognize that Talkit is probably coach of the year to this to this point, and I, I haven't <laughs> I haven't looked at it seriously enough to see who else you know might challenge him for that. But I think uh, I think because there's been a lot of recognition of Talkett's impact, and by the way, he's more important than anything else. No matter what else we talk about, nothing is as important as Rick Talkett uh, to the success of the team this year. <clears throat> so I think whenever you're talking about the coach by by definition, a lot of those accolades uh, spill over onto the staff, like because it's never just the one guy, right? Every everyone, every head coach has a staff of coaches uh, supporting him and working with him that he delegates to that take uh, do more detailed work on one aspect of the game or or another. But I don't think that. And maybe even people in Vancouver. Uh, I think it's more obvious. Honestly, I'm trying to think which reporter. It might have been Mark Spector from Edmonton when he was in. Um, but I'll give him the credit for it, even if it wasn't him. Sort of was looking down uh, at the Canucks and remarked about this Hall of Fame staff. And honestly, I hadn't thought of it in in that way that... I mean, you have Adam Foote and Sergey Gonchar coaching the defensemen. You've got Rick Tockett and Mike Yo, who has been uh, twice a head coach and very well regarded. Uh, but Tockett, you know, was a, an incredible player in his own right. Won Stanley Cups, 
thousand games, all the points, all the penalty minutes, all the character, all the leadership. And then you have the Sedins there on a daily basis, either one or both of them. Rare has been the practice. Now, when they go on the road, the Sedins don't, don't travel, but at least they haven't so far. But rare is the practice at home where you don't have them there. And they're working with players individually. We know, of course, they're working with the power play. Uh, and and then I think there's even another layer that really nobody talks about enough, which is Jeremy Colleton and and the staff in Abbotsford and what they're doing to get players ready. And then the link between the two, of course, is the player development department, uh, which, you know, the Sedins are the most visible part. So people understand, uh, I think, have a sense of their impact. But it's also, you know, Chris Higgins and and to a lesser extent than it used to be Ryan Johnson, uh, just because he's got a bigger portfolio now. And of course, you have Michael Samuelson working in in Europe, and and Komisarek is working. Their staff from top to bottom, and this is one of the things that I think is so important about having alignment, having this cohesion from top to bottom in an organization. This staff from minor league to player development to NHL has just been tremendous and have worked together tremendously. Like it wouldn't matter all these and, and say just at the NHL level, all these incredible players that they have, former players that they have on their staff, it wouldn't matter if they didn't know how to work together and be able to uh, divide up the duties, but present sort of everything to the players with the common ideals, the common goals, the common staples that talk it always talks about. Ian, uh, great stuff as always. Absolutely bang on. Uh, we look forward to chatting with you on Thursday when the Canucks finish off this road trip in Dallas against the Stars and only a couple of games before Christmas. So I won't have to ha- wish you a Merry Christmas yet, but I hope you keep enjoying the holidays as always and can't wait to chat with you again on Thursday. Man, that was a long answer. I feel like I need a nap, but I have to finish my uh, finish my story. I'll get a drink of water, though. Oh, yeah, just part. Yeah, as long as you get uh, parched up, you'll be fine afterwards. Yeah, great. All right. Well, nice being on with you guys. I'll talk to you on Thursday. You got it. And I look forward to reading and, your latest. Yeah, go on. And and Bick, you can ask me who's most likely to stay in the top six. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, excellent. I I have so rare wins. So so, so every once in a while, I got to double down on them. I don't blame you at all. See you guys. <laughs> uh, see ya. That's Ian McIntyre. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. Uh, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's always uh, a fantastic um, post game when we have people interacting with us. We appreciate each and every one of you, all your text messages, your thoughts, and even those listening and not chiming in. Thank you for spending the evening with us. It's been a fun year here covering the Canucks, and we look forward to chatting again on the post game show on Thursday. Bick has a day off tomorrow. I'll be back on Canucks Central with Dan Riccio, uh, four to six, and we're back again on Thursday. Five o'clock puck drop against the Dallas Stars as well. I believe it is no? on Thursday. Five, Thursday o'clock. five o'clock. Yeah, oh, same. are you pointing out? Because yes. I showed up. Yeah, yeah. 
I showed up an hour early today. Yeah, you did. That's, that's okay. You know, you got here early. You I thought it was up. early. So. It's, it's holiday times. So I'm just like all over the place. I know. I know. And you're playing somewhat hurt. I get yeah. it. I get it. You're doing absolutely. You're doing everything you can. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to the post game show. Thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing as always. And it has been the connection to post game show presented by the number five orange. When was the last time you had a hall pass? And when did that? When did you last spend time with a real Vancouver legend? That and more on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650.